Hey, what's up? It's your boy, Stephen McCoy, and you are watching and listening to Sessions with Stephen. And today we have comedian and writer, Mr. CJ Hunt. Hey, thank you for having me. Uh, thank you so much for being here. You're here to promote the new two grounds, so you have to talk to us about it. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah, of course, of course. Yeah, I mean, um, The Neutral Ground is uh, a documentary about uh, monuments, memory, and how to break up with the Confederacy. Yeah. So really, it's just a, it's really just as a question of, in 2021, how does an army from 1865 still have so much control over our politics? Like even today, you know, Congress is talking about, hmm, should we have a statue to Jefferson Davis in the Capitol? Maybe, maybe the insurrectionists who attacked this Capitol are emboldened by the fact that we still have monuments to insurrectionists in the Capitol. So the film is about all of those questions about why the Confederacy still has a hold on us. Yeah. It starts in 2015 in New Orleans, where I was living. Uh, and, you know, in the, in the wake of the massacre in Charleston, as, you know, we finally have an opportunity to, to talk about Confederate symbols in 2015, the mayor of New Orleans took his cues from Take Him Down Nola, some organizers, and said, yo, we got to get rid of these four Confederate monuments. So our film starts with me thinking I'm making a funny short film about how hard some folks are going to hang on to four monuments. You know what I find so interesting? Well, I mean, this has always been the case for comedians has really been our voices for the culture and for even and for politics, obviously. I mean, yeah, absolutely. They're so outspoken. But with you being a comedian and a writer, um, are you ever, where do you ever feel you have to draw a line or is, are there no boundaries? Yeah, thanks. I appreciate the question. My day job is on The Daily Show, you know, with Trevor Noah on Comedy yeah. Central. So my, my day job is not in front of the camera. It's behind the camera, sort of figuring out how to set up shots and stuff and, and the jokes for correspondence. But I feel really lucky because, because being The Daily Show is like being on the Warriors or being, you know, on the Bulls in their prime or the Patriots when they just kept winning. You know, it's, it's an institution that has one of the longest histories of figuring out how you take something politically terrifying or depressing and how do you make comedy from that? So I, so I feel really emboldened by that. For me, comedy, you know, I think, I think why black comedians are leading the political discussion is because comedy at its core is like, yo, isn't this strange? It's just those, it's just those three words of, isn't this strange? And I think white supremacy wins so frequently because it hides itself as not strange. It's like, no, this belongs here. These monuments are just history. Nothing about this is strange. It's fine to have Confederate monuments in front of courthouses where black people are being locked up. That's normal, not strange at all. So I think our film is partly comedy because it is calling out, yo, this is strange, this is dumb. But I do think that as white supremacist violence ratchets up, there becomes a part and you feel it in the film where we don't need to say, isn't this strange anymore? We fall short of being able to have a joke mm. about white terrorists mm. driving a car to kill people in Charlottesville. Like there's no joke that you can make about that. Right. So, I think, so I think that is the hard part about making comedy about white supremacy that right. when it gets strange enough, 
it is deadly and, and it is not funny. That is very true. And it's a, it's, a, it's a variety in this film and that's what I love. How did you team up with Roy Wood Jr.? How, how did you two get uh, develop this relationship? Yeah, Roy, Roy is my favorite. You know, Roy, Roy, Roy slays every single day on The Daily Show. And if you're familiar with Roy Wood Jr.'s comedy, you know, he's, yeah. he's from Birmingham and he's able to have these conversations about not only the Confederacy, but about policing and about sort of the horrors of America, but he's able to do it nationally where audiences are able to walk into spaces they didn't know and were like, damn, that is so true. So he was the first correspondent I worked with as a director when I got hired onto The Daily Show. We went out for a piece called How Racist Is Boston? And, you know, he's one of my favorite correspondents and I, I knew I needed to bring him on at a certain point as, as executive producer because he just has that skill. You know, he, he, he can balance me out be like, bro, the film, we've talked to folks about lynching. We've talked to them about the uh, stripping away of reconstruction and the construction of white power. Before we move on, we need to find a place of levity or, or, or we need to make this joke sharper. People need a breath. And he's a master of that and, and was really helpful as executive producer in, in helping balance me out. Do you feel that we're getting closer to that breakthrough of freedom or do you feel like there is still um, more work? Or are we, are we getting there, would you say? I think yes. A, he, just by numbers, so let's, let's make it super concrete because what I enjoy about Confederate monuments, that's not a sentence I like to say a lot, but the one thing I enjoy about Confederate monuments is that they make race concrete. So in the most concrete terms, mm -hmm. since a white supremacist walked into Emanuel AME church in Charleston in 2015 and killed nine churchgoers, since that day, the Southern Poverty Law Center estimates that over 300 Confederate monuments and memorials have come down. Yeah. Half of those have been in the past year since the lynching of George Floyd. So that number makes me hopeful. If we can move in power and consensus, not waiting for permission from power structures, if we can move in one year to take down more monuments than we took down in five years, I'm hopeful. We have 2,000, we have, we have over 2,000 Confederate monuments and memorials left in public space, street names, school names, monuments in public parks, in front of courthouses. We have 2,000 left and that number feels overwhelming. But then when you're like, dang, we, we, did, we did over 150 in one year. Okay, let's start doing the math and what will happen if we get more momentum out of that? This is, you know, so, so I am hopeful with that. And then also these fools with the anti-critical race, the you know, with these critical race theory bans, these white Republican governors passing laws that are literally saying, teach our kids less history. I think that's proof that we're getting close, yeah. right? They, they wouldn't be trying this scare tactic if teachers weren't being successful across the country at teaching black freedom to kids. So, so, I, think, so I think all of this is, I think we are gaining momentum and we just need to stay focused yeah. and remember that we do not need to ask permission in order to move monuments. And we do not need to wait for governors to approve in order to teach Du Bois's black reconstruction uh, or Clint Smith's how the word is passed to your ninth grade 
to your seventh grade students. Yeah. You feel me? Like we can yeah. move in power without being like, how do we convince these bigots to give up their monuments? It's right. like, exactly. nah, we're just, we're just, we just got a good lesson plan and yeah. I'm not even focused on bigots. Um, how did you know that you wanted to specifically write in comedy? How did that start for you? Yeah, I mean, I started, it, it's, it's actually flipped. I started as a comedian and comedy writer. And the thing I wanted most was to be on a late, on a late night comedy staff, you know, writing for the nightly show or the yeah. daily show or yeah. Sam B or any of these late night shows that were just rushing it at the time. Um, so this film was like pretty accidental. I wasn't like, I'm trying to become a director and, and, and here are my directorial inspirations. I was like, I want to be out in the field boxing with folks who are espousing white supremacist lies and using comedy to unravel those lies and show how dangerous they are and how dangerous those lies are and how dumb those lies are. And just by virtue of putting myself on film, then, you know, when we realized that the story was going to be longer than just, you know, a viral video that you put on, on YouTube dunking on some racists, yeah. You know, once we realized that it was going to be longer than that, that the game wasn't, didn't stop at YouTube, that there was a darker story here, a longer story, a more national story. Folks were like, hey, bro, you're making a documentary. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I know. I'm, I'm going to keep doing my thing. And they were like, no, no, you actually have to take it seriously and you can't play a character. You have to be vulnerable and talk about yourself and, 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 and be truthful. And you can't be making jokes all the time. We, we like some when we need it, but there needs to be a heart and an argument behind this documentary. And people have to sit with this for 82 minutes. Black folks have to sit with this who already know that the Confederacy lied about, you know, the fact that all of their documents said that they are seceding to preserve slavery. Black folks who already know that, you know, Reconstruction was dismantled by the KKK and white supremacist violence and white Northerners not caring about black people getting killed in the street. So, I have to stick through 82 minutes and hold black and brown audiences who know this stuff, but also keep white audiences who might be afraid of this stuff. So walking that tightrope, you know, is, is the reason that we have comedy to be able to weave through this conversation, have you laughing one minute at, you know, Alexander Stevens's dry ass lips, and then, you know, getting real serious and terrified the next minute when you hear what he used those dry lips to say about the cornerstone of the Confederacy being human bondage of Black people. Mm -hmm. And that's why I always wonder um, that tightrope that you mentioned as a, as a comedian, as a writer, just knowing like this is your first time getting into a film, like did the documentary to um, know when do I stop telling the jokes and, and, and also making sure that I'm educating because it is an educational experience to watch as well, um, as mm -hmm. well as a somewhat therapeutic if we're talking co comedy-wise where we're able to laugh at um, certain things in our history. Um, not necessarily laughing at it, but there are some some things that are funny, and it is okay to laugh, you know. So I love that um, that chemistry. I think I think some white audiences, and you know, the reviews have been great for the film. And, yeah. you know, people are really responding to it, but I think some white reviewers and audiences are like, "Wow, how does one make comedy out of tragedy?" 
And I think black audiences get it. They're like, this is a tradition. We, we, are, we, are laughing. We, we are laughing because the alternative is crying or, yeah. or going insane. You know, so I, so I think that, I think that the determinant of, of when to be making a joke and when not to be making a joke in this film is where does comedy make something clearer? And where does it, allow, where is it allowing us to hide? You know what I'm saying? So the, the comedy is there to help make things clear for white folks who do not understand this thing. That to, to help them understand, it is insane to say this was not about slavery and then also try to believe, and also slavery wasn't that bad, right? Like that's like your boy saying, uh, my wife just divorced me and it has nothing to do with me cheating. On the other hand, is cheating that bad? You'd be like, Craig, what are we talking about? You can't talk about these two things at the same time. It's clear you're cheating. No, bro, it had nothing to do with cheating, okay? It was about my freedom, my fundamental freedom to experience love in a different way. It's like, like yeah. okay, well then why you keep talking about cheating? They stay talking about slavery. They stay talking about, it wasn't about slavery. It wasn't about slavery. Actually, slavery is pretty good. Did you know the blacks invented slavery? And it's like, just how much you were talking about slavery shows that that's what it was about yeah absolutely i love that thank you so much cj for coming thank on. you really thank you for having me you can um watch this on august 4 um on pbs right mm -hmm. actually we're going to be going a little earlier if you're in la you can check us out in a theater in glendale in uh starting july 2nd and then if you're anywhere else in the country, we will be debuting for free on PBS, on POV at 9.30 on July 5th. July 5th, 9.30, tune in, it's free. Invite your congressman, invite that friend that you have at the office who got married at a plantation and you never have really talked about that shit. So we'll see you, we'll see you July 5th, 9.30. Thank you so much. You. That's a perfect day right after the 4th, you know, when you're a little hangover, you have some leftovers. Oh, yeah. Warm it up. Go oh, yeah. In front of the Heat up those leftovers. As we're talking about freedom, it's like, no, let's really talk about it. It's seriously. Thank you so much. Thanks so much. Hey, subscribe now.